We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man, and yet as mortal as his own. of unknown facts that's right we made it to a mysterious and awesome second episode not a lot of podcasts out there can brag that they've had two episodes so right there i feel like we're operating on a plane of superiority that not a lot of podcasts can match moose would you agree with me on that I got to agree with you again, cousin, and I, I am in Studio Motherfucking A tonight, baby. Studio A. What's the difference between Studio A and Studio G? Studio A in my apartment, and it's early in the morning. I got the fucking sun. It's like coming through the fucking blinds, but and it's like ninety degrees. But I can't figure it out. I'm wearing my sunglasses and a beanie on my head. Well, maybe if you take the beanie off, you'll get some relief from the heat in there. I'm sweating. Well, do you have anything to drink to keep you cool? I'm drinking the... Holy shit, let's talk about it. I'm drinking the highest quality German beer. Drinking this Calabir, motherfucker. (laughs) I myself, I'm sipping on the green tea. I got only about maybe a fifth of a can left. I'm going to have to pop at least five or six more cans of this during the show. Oh, let's talk about it. I got some fucking distilled water that filled these balls left in my house. Why did he leave it there? Wasn't he thirsty? He has a sinus infection. He had to rinse out his nose. That's why it sounded funny on the last episode. Oh, Maybe if he wore his straw hat more, it would guard him from the pollens flying around the air in the springtime season. I would think I just gotta get the dust out of the garage. Possibly so. All right, followers, we got a great show for you tonight. We got two films that have been cinematically linked forever, both for not only their euphemisms and their metaphors, but from having much of the same cast. That's right, we're talking about the 1989 version of The Punisher and also the 1988 film Ernest Saves Christmas. Holy shit, I done fucked up, cousin. What happened? I watched Ernest Goes to Jail. Okay. That's okay. I get on the Wikipedia real quick, right, and read the synopsis. That's okay, 
because as much as the Punisher and Ernest Saves Christmas have been cinematically linked, I think it's probably thematically better for the closet of the unknown facts that we talk about, the relations and correlations, the euphemisms and metaphors, and the meditations between the Punisher and Ernest goes to jail. Obviously, the crossover was going to be where the Punisher went to hunt him down, but everybody was bootlegging their VHS, so they make no money off of it. That's right. New World Pictures actually had to fold because The Punisher is actually known as the most bootleg movie of the last two years of the 1980s. Did you know that, cousin? How many other podcasts out there will do the research, put the time in to let you know what films were bootlegged the most between a two-year period of the late 80s? Now tell me, who does that? Who does that? I have no idea because there's lack of communication here. I will admit, followers, we didn't have the most uh, fastidious preparation for this show. We weren't crossing our wires, but we did uh, dig into not only the uh, closet, but we went a little bit beyond. But first of all, we we strive for perfection here in the closet of unknown facts. But how we could have kicked off our first episode with a deep discussion of the Silver Spoons. Here we are, face to face, a couple of Silver Spoons. Hoping to find, we're two of a kind. Make it a go, make it grow together. And I never, Moose, I never asked you the number one important question that any Silver Spoons fan uh, has to answer. This happens, you know, it, it's a, like a big panel uh, debate usually at the Silver Spoons conventions that are happening all around the nation now. Which Edward Stratton was your favorite? Now, keep in mind to, remi- to refresh the uh, followers here. We have Edward Stratton, who's a very old man from the paper chase. He's very uh, old and cranky, talks in a semi-British accent. Then we have Edward Stratton II, a a billionaire philanthropist uh, playboy who manages a toy empire and rides on a choo-choo train. And then third, we have Ricky Stratton III, who is the youngest. He was an orphan at military school and then he realized he had a rich father so instead of getting slapped around and bullied by all the 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 toughs of the rotc he went to live in a mansion so moose which edward stratton is your favorite the one with the choo-choo train that would be edward stratton the second played by joe higgins how in the fucking hell this motherfucking Ricky Schroeder, no disrespect to him, but how this motherfucker gonna be like, I just learned the other day that my daddy, who has the same name as me, is really... How the fuck wouldn't you know you're, you're the same name as a, a toy tycoon? 
And especially when you know you're the third and he's the second. You gotta find some correlation between one and two. I remember his mom was hot. Who who played Ricky Schroeder's mom? I have no idea. <laughs> Just remember that she was hot. I remember she was hot. You know, I... Look you, up on the Wikipedia. Like I have some soup. <laughs> Refresh yourself with some beans and lentil soup there. I, you know, in order to make this more interesting, I should disagree, but I cannot. I was thinking about this for the last week and a half, and my favorite... Stratton is Edward Stratton II because not only was the manager of a toy empire, he rode a choo-choo train, and most of all, he got to bang, what's her name, Aaron, what's her name, Aaron what? Aaron Gray. Aaron Gray. Rogers. I was going to say Aaron Gray, but I thought that was the girl from Dirty Dancing who had her nose chopped off. I like to take Aaron Gray when she was young and do Fifty Shades of Gray. Fifty Shades of Gray, now playing at a theater of you. Or... Like I had, now I'm sorry, cousin, but you know, because I got the DVD Redneck Hillbilly Roundup VHS show on the Daily Motion. I could have done Fifty Shades of White Trash. That would have been a great time, Moose. Why you didn't think of that earlier? I have no idea. Because I had to wake up at 7 a.m. to record with Phil. To our followers right now listening to this, I bet they're in total shock and disbelief that we have a second episode. I know a lot of shows don't make it past one. Many shows don't even get off the Facebook drawing board, do they, Moose? I don't think so, because usually they figure out they suck before it gets started. Thankfully, we don't have that problem at the closet of unknown facts because we know that we're the highest quality of podcasters out there on the internet today. And I heard there's going to be another guy joining us, especially episode one day called Turd. <laughs> we shall see. We shall see if that comes to fruition. But if that does happen, I think that will be a realignment of power that the podcasting world will not be able to contain it whatsoever. And before you know it, it will be raining down on you the heat and the fire from the closet of the unknown facts. So just remember. Kind of dumb fuck name is Turd. We'll have to ask him that when he gets here. I found it to be a, a very rather mean podcasting handle, but I was rest assured that it was the most appropriate one. I thought may, maybe you could uh, name yourself after a famous movie monster like like uh, Birdzilla, but no, it had to be turned. All right. Sorry, I had to refresh myself there. Was Did you happen to listen to that other show, the, the Pretended of my VHS Redneck Roundup, whatever it's called, I forgot. Did the other show, the Hillbilly DVD Review, Valentine's Day Special. I did hear it. Uh, it caused some friction with my wife because she wanted to spend a nice romantic candlelight dinner together. But I was too busy meditating and my karate gi and listening to the Hillbilly DVD review. Who the fuck? I remember listening to that jackass the source saying he gonna, he gonna teach those boys a lesson. He didn't do nothing. 
Yeah, it it was a rather courteous and not a very vulgar display of power, as we were imagined and built up to believe. I would think, and and I I don't have any inside information of that camp of podcasters over at the Slow Hand Radio Network. As again, I've announced it before. I have not taken any action whatsoever to make this come to fruition. But Moose, you and I will be starting the Fast Foot Radio Empire, but it's it's coming soon. It's coming. But I do not. Are we getting as we getting those guys, beautiful Bert and Johnny Thunders? I'm not sure what or beautiful Bert and Johnny Shock are at right now. Hopefully, we can recruit them. When when I'm thinking, when I first before I make the web page of the Fast Foot Radio Empire, I'm going to make a flyer for it, and maybe that flyer can intrigue a web designer to come make the website for us. You never know how these internet dreams come true. But I'm thinking if I sit here long enough with my big toe crossed with my second biggest toe, it will happen magically. What are you gonna do with the flyer? With a flyer, I'm going to re- recruit the highest quality web designer from India. They're going to come over and very cost-effectively craft a website that will help us ascend to the top of radio domination on the Internet. But uh, I, I, before I make the flyer, though, I have to get the bottle to, to put it in and put a cork in it so I can throw it into the ocean and it will wash up in India where all the web designers are nowadays. That's the way you get shit done. Exactly. And that's why the Fast Foot Radio Empire will soon be towering strong over the Slow Hand Radio Network. But I don't have any inside information, but I would think after his poor showing on the Hillbilly DVD review, I would think Source would want a do-over of that commentary, wouldn't you? I would hope. I thought that poor guy had bronchitis. He might have. I heard he just got off a flight from Kuala Lumpur and he had contracted some monkey virus over there. I could definitely see that. Should we? And he, you know, before I forget to, oh, you know what makes me burning me? Death Day Batista in the news again. Yes, we have to talk about this. You have a vendetta against uh, Dave Bautista, don't you, Moose? I hate that motherfucker. And holy shit, let's talk about that motherfucker. He gonna be in the Highlander remake, which I'm sorry, it ain't gonna be the highest quality because the only Highlander movie that was any good was part one, and that was just really okay. Yes, the breaking news today over the interwebs is Dave Bautista will be playing the Kurg in the role originally originated by uh, not only the Clancy Brown and also in they've announced some casting for the Connor McLeod role will be Shia LaBeouf. Now let me ask you this, holy shit, let me ask you something. Why does everybody say how that Kurrigan is such an important character? He was killed in the first like three minutes of the movie. Yes, he had a slit throat and he could barely talk. He kept, wah, 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 wah. he was riding around in a car and got decapitated. Clancy Brown had a bigger part in Bad Boys. Clancy Brown had a bigger part in Pet Cemetery too. And he's on The Flash. And he's Mr. Krabs. Maybe Dave Bautista could remake Pet Cemetery too. Would that maybe uh, get you uh, to settle down a little bit over there with your hatred of a moose? Well, now, I actually do like Pet Cemetery too, but if you put that Bautista in it, I'd hate it. Maybe if they got Mongo McMichael, that would be okay. 
Bongo McMichael actually was in the news recently talking about he doesn't know what's going to happen with all his concussions between football and wrestling. We wish you a great and speedy recovery, Mongo McMichael. The greatest commentator in WCW history. I would and have, he had a hot-ass wife. I would have to agree with you on that, Moose. He always said things like baby and and fighting your neighbors and hitting the plunder. Hey, he had more talent than any of them. He should have a podcast. Maybe he does over on the Radio 1 network where all the washed-up wrestlers are hawking their wares and advertising toilet bowl cleaning products currently. How do you not love a commentator who flat-out goes, Wow, that was neat. What do you call that move? I would call that the highest quality of wrestling commentary. And then it became a wrestler's finishing move was a tackle. Wow. And everybody said, oh, that movie is stupid. What do you call the spear? That's a tackle, too. Exactly. Goldberg is a cheap ripoff of Mongo McMichael. Well, considering they were both trained by the same uh, wrestling trainers, I would have to agree with you on that. He's actually more less of a ripoff or more of a repackaging, wouldn't you say? Neither one of them hold a candle to Jimmy the Soup. That's right. And speaking of repackaging and rebrandings, we got to talk about the latest happenings in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Not only was it announced that Spider-Man is coming home to Marvel Cinema Universe, and by coming home to Marvel Cinema Universe, we mean he's going to be starring in movies uh, creatively controlled by Sony, but also he will be played by a young uh, African-American child. Now, the front-running for the casting, the only person even considering for the role right now is Jaden Smith. I think this is going to be a good addition to the Marvel Cinema Universe. I don't know. I've got... Where's Todd Bridges? Todd Bridges, I think, would be a good Miles Morales. He's a little old. He probably could technically play Miles Morales' grandfather at this point. But if you're going to maybe enhance with the CGI, you could make him 15 years old again. Why not just get The Rock? The problem with The Rock is he's currently on a tour where he goes around to wrestling shows around the nation and gets booed out of the ring. But if you got a guy like The Rock, you don't need to spend all that money on a costume. He could wear just a pair of tights and look more imposing than all the guys in the rubber suits. That's right. And best of all, you wouldn't even really have to write a good story or script or anything. Because the truth is, Rock don't have to be in good movies. He just automatically makes shitty movies watchable. You know who, speaking of the wrestlers... And we're talking about the Punisher. You know who I was thought make the perfect Punisher in the old-fashioned costume? Who? Scott Hall. That's right. Last call, Scott Hall. He had a 9 o'clock shadow beard, usually, and with the greasy, greaseback hair with a little spicker on the front. He looked very much like the Punisher illustrations from the mid to late 80s. Wouldn't you agree, Moose? I thought he'd be a good choice, baby. <laughs> Excuse you there, Moose. I can't help it. I'm drinking a beer. It's getting brighter outside. The light shining in my face. I'm going to put this goddamn Raiders blanket over the top of my head. Won't, won't that make you sweat even more, though, Moose? Yeah, but it keep the dust away from me. When I'm talking on the Skype, I like to have the covers over my head. Well, I have my feet in the air. 
Why would you want a big dishing out the dirt with my friends on Skype for nine hours and 36 minutes? Talking about going to the soda shop. That's right. We we have been going for a while here, even before we hit record. So let's go ahead and dive into our main topic here. First of all, we're going to be talking about The Punisher from 1989. If society won't punish the guilty, he will. You see this board here? Every time he kills somebody, I put a red pin in it. So far, the only thing that I've got to show for it these little calling cards here, and a whole bunch of these. Now let me tell you something about this Punisher. If he ever shows up within 1,000 yards of me, he'll find out what the word punished really means. He defends the innocent. But if you're guilty, he gives no warning and shows no mercy. What the hell is this? Trouble. Dolph Lundgren, Lewis Gossett Jr. Mr. P, happy hunting. The Punisher. Justice with a vengeance. Holy shit, let's talk about it. The Punisher was a very well-financed film put together by a company formerly owned by Roger Corman. But after he sold it, they were able to start putting uh, bigger budget movies together. And that's actually what drove them out of the business. They spent a whopping $9 million on this film in 1988. In $1988, $9 million would be like having $9.2 million now. Wouldn't you agree, Moose? can't do math that good they they went all out with the casting on this one the the highest uh, su- successful uh biggest uh you know uh, movie stars at the time like uh Jerome Crabby Kim Miori and Louis Gossett Jr they were all all-star cast uh, much like the Avengers is today and they're all centering around the main player here who was Dolph Lundgren who was best known at the time from being in Rocky 4 where he never talked but I gotta ask you this question and it's been stinging in my craw all these years I like this movie the movie's amazing the movie's action packed the movie's phantasmagorical but out of this big budget why couldn't they buy a t-shirt with a skull on it it's because even though they had the rights from Marvel to make a Punisher movie, they didn't have enough money left over to actually buy any Punisher comic books to look at the, the costume illustrations. Why did he have a bat cave? 
Yes, this movie came hot on the heels of uh, the filming of Batman. And while Batman had it been released, there was a blurry set photo of the Batcave and they thought he was living in a sewer. So that's why they went ahead and had the Punisher live in the sewer and meditate naked in this film. Holy shit, though, I gotta say this movie was better than Batman. It's better than the Nolan Batmans. I would have to agree with you there too, Moose. And the reason is... While Christopher Nolan was playing mop-up with 9-11 euphemisms and metaphors, uh, the Punisher was actually doing those same metaphors, doing them better before 9-11 even happened. Wouldn't you agree, Moose? I would have to agree 185.7%. The movie starts off with the Punisher killing a bunch of greaseball mobsters who got off on a trial. And then we find out he's killed over 125 men in the last 10 and a half months. It's a big uh, uh, manhunt for the Punisher. Louis Gossett is the man on the job for the police department. He sees the Punisher walking out of an exploding building. And he realizes, hey, that guy looks a lot like my ex-cop partner who disappeared mysteriously three and a half months ago when his family got blown up. You know, and Louis Gossett Jr. is a right choice for an actor if you're looking to save budgets because he does your movie. He does your acting, and then he cleans up the set like a janitor when he's done. Exactly. There's this man, he's a, he's a 45-year veteran of the Hollywood industry, and he's not above getting a mop and cleaning up a bunch of fake blood and phony bullshit that's left behind when you film an action movie. Now, is he? No, and he's not in this movie very long because he catches the Punisher, but the Punisher breaks out and goes on a killing spree and escapes from the top of a roof. Exactly. The Punisher, he, he, he gets into a, uh, I guess, a gang war with a bunch of ninjas. Very interesting. Yeah, the, yeah, the Yakuza. The Yakuza uh, ninjas, who their idea of ninja outfits are uh, uh, <laughs> swimsuits <laughs> and bodysuits that you would wear when you went surfing in cold water. <laughs> and even though he has no martial arts training, he kills half of them with a harpoon gun. Yes, he does. The action then takes a real uh, metaphor for the Lindbergh baby when all of the gangsters' children are kidnapped by the Yakuza. And in this stunning turn of events, the Punisher, who only punishes the guilty and protects the innocent, he must fight to save all the greaseball uh, mobsters' children from the Yakuza. And uh, it's a thrilling conclusion. He actually teams up with a greaseball mobster, and they they walk through a karate dojo and, and shoot everything that moves. Some people were just here taking regular karate classes, and they were riddled with bullets by the Punisher. But that doesn't and matter. That's a, that's a big euphemism for the World War because he when he goes in and he pearl harbors them Japs, and him and the greaseball dude he comes in and that's you know he japs them and they pearl harbor this guy is is it's a it's a travesty it's something that nobody i don't think ever saw coming and that's really why this film holds a lot of social context and, and importance and weight nowadays you know 27 years later after it made we're still talking about the ramifications on the uh 
the the political discussions and uh, the presidential and prime minister implications between uh, Japan and the U.S. No one ever thought our relationship would become so strained after that nuclear power plant blew up in that earthquake. But here it is. We're still doing damage control over a film that was made over 27 years ago, The Punisher. I could have done without his Canadian sidekick. Yes, we can't fail to mention this again being a much ahead of its time metaphor for 9-11. We have to address the homeless people of New York City and this time being a a, a very uh, drunk and uh, I would say almost I would compare it to uh, Nicolas Cage's character from Leaving Las Vegas. This guy's so drunk. That's a good comparison, baby. Yes, this guy's so drunk he's willing to do anything. He 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 goes in and uh, to to make a distraction for the Punisher. He uh, he goes in and he sucks off half a dozen yakuza mobsters while the Punisher sneaks in the back door. This man will degrade himself. He'll do anything. He'll commit murder. He'll commit scandalous acts for all for a bottle of whiskey that the Punisher delivers to him on a remote control, like little pickup truck. Who does that? Who does Tell me, fans. I mean, your modern superheroes, they might have a helicarrier. They might go around the world in a supersonic jet that turns invisible, but they don't have a, a RC remote control car from Radio Shack with a big bottle of Jim Beam on the back. Even Christopher Nolan making Batman. Batman ain't got no gadgets. He ain't got nothing because that's not a realistic uh, portrayal of a superhero in Christopher Nolan's ultra-realistic world, but at the same time, he can have a Joker walk on a whole pile of money like it's a mountain. I think that money weighs more than a Stonehenge rock. I think I would have to agree with that, considering for hundreds of years, local farmers have been using horse and cart buggies to take away large pieces of Stonehenge, but you cannot take away a large mountain of money with a horse and buggy, now could you, Moose? What did that guy that goat say on this show? You put the fucking thing on a flatbed truck and haul it out of there. Yeah, I think he mentioned that about 17 times on the commentary, but it still somehow was not sinking in. But then again, the other idiot came in. How do you take it? Nobody knows. Obviously, he missed the news report in the beginning of the movie. Exactly. There was a scene in Halloween 3 season of The Witch where a man was working overnight at a gas station. Why there was anyone even working at this gas station when nobody would drive past this deserted gas station to get gas in the middle of the night. I mean, the overhead alone could not justify the expense of this employee. But anyway, he was in a little shack and he was watching a television show about Stonehenge. But somehow this seems to go unnoticed by some of the viewers of the film. Wouldn't you agree, Moose? Some of these viewers is just tomato brains. Okay, but since we're not talking about Halloween 3's season of The Witch, we'll go ahead and get back to The Punisher. Again, I cannot stress, uh, you know, this is a good film. Uh, there was a time when you could pick the DVD up cheap for about five or six bucks on Amazon, put it in the collection, but you can't do that anymore because it's out of print. But there is currently a, a, a Blu-ray that you could get for eight ninety nine if you choose to do so. I have not seen this Blu-ray. I cannot comment on the highest quality of picture and sound that Blu-ray delivers, but I'm hoping that they did the right thing with the Punisher here. Have you seen this Blu-ray, Moose? I have it on the DVD, and I have the uncut laser disc with the three minutes of extra footage. 
Can you briefly describe to our listeners uh, what's in the three minutes of uncensored footage? When they shoot some people at the end, they shoot a few more, and there's a little more blood splatter. That's very interesting. That's definitely a fact. Not really. <laughs> I was going to say. That was obviously, they had to cut that out because then it turned it into a euphemism for the thriller in Manila with Japs. That's right. Anyway, that's all I have for The Punisher. I would give it uh, 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 two toes up, crossed here, in a, in a good luck fashion that we get the fast foot radio empire going soon. But that's definitely my up and up. What, what do you, you say, Moose? Would you recommend this film to the listeners? Ooh, I say it's getting hot on a motherfucker in here. But yeah, I recommend this movie to all the listeners out there. It's probably the second best Punisher movie out there. The best is clearly the Thomas Jane movie. I would have to agree with you there. But now we're going to talk about a real movie. We don't even talk. How about we just talk about the character Ernest P. Worrell? Hey, Burn, look what I found in my daddy's closet. You know, I bet you this is from the big one. You know, WW2. Boy, I bet them were some great times. I know, because I never miss Hogan's Heroes on WDBJ. <laughs> That's right, Ernest P. World, the character originated by Jim Varney. He originally showed up uh, in milk ads from, what was it, Florida? Robert's Milk. Robert's then Milk. Then he did Brian's Ice Cream. It, there was a while where his career, he would only do uh, acting in roles that let him uh, evangelize the uh, you know, the beauty and the health of uh, taking in large quantities of dairy products, I would say. And he would always go, hey, Vern. And then he would whore his product. And then somehow he got a movie career and a television deal. That's not bad work for a guy clearly with no talent. But he also played Jed Clampett. Yeah, that's right. In the Beverly Hillbillies big screen adaptation, unfortunately, Buddy Epson was long dead by the time they made that film. So they had to cast Ernest P. Worrell. And I thought he did a fantastic job, as did Diedrich Bader and the girl from Under Siege who showed her boobs. Yes, but but uh, followers out there, she showed her boobs in Under Siege, not in the Beverly Hillbillies. Don't get confused. Don't get confused, baby. And then, you know, and then Ernest, he had the Saturday morning TV show. I picked that up on the DVD for Five dollars on Amazon, maybe six. I don't remember, cause it had the best theme song I think in Saturday morning history. But there was a movie where Ernest he done 
had to serve jury duty. And it turned out he was a dead ringer for this crime lord on death row. So somehow the lawyer convinced the jurors to go on a field trip to the prison and they switched him with Ernest. And then Ernest had a break out of jail and had all them people that put the mom and the pops out of business with their bootlegging. They would have financed part two and a punisher hunted him down. That's right. Ernest goes to jail, was made right on hot on the heels, released almost a full six months after the Punisher. So it was too soon for them to do a crossover in the original Ernest Goes to Jail film. But Ernest Goes to Jail 2 was going to be a huge crossover with the Marvel Comics character. But unfortunately, Roger Corman's ex-company went underground, uh, out of business, and they could not do the, 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 what, you know, what at the time, you know, the best way I could put it in 1990 terms, it would have been bigger than the Avengers, bigger than Guardians of the Galaxy, it would have been actually even bigger than the Lego movie. Oh, I don't know about that, but would it have been bigger than that phantasmagorial Oscar frontrunner Channing Tatum? It might have been. I think it definitely would have been bigger than any film that Channing Tatum was in because even though every film that Channing Tatum's in bombs, somehow he's considered the largest box office draw currently in the world. But I gotta tell you, Ernest is so versatile, so amazing, so funkalicious. This man, he went to camp and then he saved Christmas. Then he went to jail. And after after he broke out of jail, he got scared stupid. And then he went to college and he played basketball and he had super shoes. I think he did more, too, because then he also did a lot of stuff straight to video. Yes, that's right, actually. I think there's like 10 or 12 of them movies. <laughs> yes, there is. And there's actually a lot of films that he was uh, shooting bits and pieces of because the, the funding was basically out of his own pocket. And uh, some of these films never actually saw completion because he wanted to film them in five-minute segments. What about that one movie, Ernest Goes Back to the Future? I believe that was one of the lesser-known ones for the direct-to-video market at the time, and mostly just direct-to-VHS. I've I've heard a few things about it, but I've actually never personally been able to find a copy myself. What about you, Moose? Yes, I saw it on, I'm talking the lowest quality. I had a look at the negatives on a Viewmaster. Wow. That that would have been definitely... (laughs) <laughs> quite an interesting way to view that uh did i you... had to hum my own background music oh wow did you ever check the uh check out the 1997 film ernest goes to africa i had it on the vhs and i actually bought it on that stellar vhs price of 98 dollars and 72 cents that's right that was the introductory price for the format Ernest Goes to Africa, clearly uh, uh, the real McCoy uh, that Ace Ventura 2 Peck Detective was trying to rip off. Jim Carrey stooped so low to steal the shtick of Ernest P. Worrell. Can you believe that? I, I don't put anything past that weird old manic depressant. If you're dumb enough to leave Jenny McCarthy and Lauren Holland, you deserve to die. Maybe Jim Carrey... <laughs> 
likes to have sex with a hole in the wall with Vaseline all around the edges of it more than he does beautiful starlit actresses. Jenny McCarthy is hot watching her with my boy Donnie D from New Kids on the Block. Don, Donnie D clearly knows when something good falls into his lap. He had no problem with them sloppy seconds. Not None at all, nephew. I'd take some flung around thirds from her. <laughs> Would you? <laughs> you damn skippy hippie. Unfortunately, the Ernest P. Worrell uh, whole franchise had to come crashing down when, as we said, Jim, uh. excuse you, most. <laughs> <laughs> Too much barley. <laughs> Too much barley in your beer. That's a new one. Unfortunately, the empire came crashing down when Jim Varney passed away from throat cancer in the year 2000. Although they were able to take snippets of uh, conversations he had over the phone with his ex-wife and turn that into a character voice for Toy Story and Toy Story 2. I always wondered how they did that. Now it all makes sense. It's the phantasmagorical magic of, uh, I guess, the CIA tapping your phone. (laughs) Who can forget his turn as a weapons expert in that Jeff Speakman movie aptly named, I think, The Expert? With the movie with Jeff Speakman, a third-degree black belt in Kempo Karate doesn't do any martial arts. <laughs> I don't know. Somehow that one got past me. I'll have to hunt it down on Amazon, buy it for 5 or $6, and put it in the collection. That's the way to do it. I do know that Jim Varney also excuse you, Moose. I do know that Jim Varney also portrayed Lothar Zog and Three Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain. That little no fact is almost is a version of a character he portrayed called Doctor a Doctor Otto in The Haven is Ernest Saturday Morning Story with the Moral Variety Show. Whoa. <laughs> So, what are you? Clearly, you're a fan and much more versed in his filmography than I am. Uh, what's your takeaway for the legacy that Jim Varney left behind? I tell you, that legacy is going to be rivaled by no one. This man, tell me, there is not a man alive in Hollywood or any city or hole in the wall or anything that has ever portrayed a character on a television commercial and parlayed that exact same character all the way through movies and to his own TV show and never wants any retaliation from the original commercial writers to sue him. Exactly. Clearly there was not uh, profit participation in the Ernest P. World Empire. Now was there? I don't think so. And he's a he's a regular redneck mountain man too. He always wore the the jeans and the shirt, looking like Schneider's son. Exactly. And I would I would, you know, I don't want to play psychoanalyst too much here, Moose. But I would think that's probably why you would uh, identify him with more as a children's entertainer than you would that uh, sissy boy Pee Wee Herman. Oh, I don't like the Pee Wee Herman baby dad. He was buttering people's popcorn at the movies. And he wasn't using butter. Or canola oil. No, he was using the grease. 
He was keeping it sleazy. He had to admit that just nasty. Plus, I didn't think his movies was funny. I only saw half of the first one and hated it. You're talking about the masterpiece Pee Wee Herman finds his bike directed by Tim Burton. Maybe if he had found a choo-choo. If he would have found a choo-choo train, then it would have been entertainment of the highest quality. Plus, at the end, Ricky Schroeder's daddy would have whooped his ass. <laughs> That's right. Because Ricky Schroeder's daddy didn't let any uh, neighborhood spooky kook ride around on the choo-choo train just because he wanted to. Cookie spook, baby, cookie spook. Have you seen that? I wore one of them when I was there trick-or-treating. Was you? What 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 uh, character of the kooky spook did you have? I was the black one. Oh. We actually had to wear blackface. Now that I think about it, oh, that wouldn't. See, that's another reason why they can't sell kooky spooks anymore. Is because uh, it, it would not be politically correct with the current political climate. And I remember the big inflatable thing hurt my neck. Yes, there's actually been uh, many children who died over the years on October 31st. Uh, m- much like the evil uh, plan of Connell Cochran, uh, they were suffocated and killed by their Halloween costumes because the spooky kooks sometimes will get incorrectly labeled the sizes on the packages. And uh, children who needed a medium or large sized neck would end up with an extra small. And before they could make it to the fifth house of trick or treating, they would be suffocated to death. And then and there were so many millions and millions and millions of kids all wore the same three conky spook costumes. Exactly. There was little, little <laughs> there was little variety for some reason. I looking back on it, I find it outrageously hard to believe that every child would want to wear one of three costumes, but apparently it is something that really happened. Every single kid they had twenty million of them. There was more kids in costumes than there was actual kids. That's right. Well, as we put this finishing touches... That's Billy Math. <laughs> yes, it is. As we put the finishing touches on this second and glorious, triumphant edition of the Closet of Unknown Facts, uh, what, what are some of your thoughts for uh, what we got coming up on upcoming shows, Moose? Is there anything you want to tease the listeners with? I got teeth talking about a, some they're gonna be shows about feuds. They're gonna be all kinds of shows. But what's this fucking bullshit that I heard that you're gonna have those two guys from Slowhand do a piece after our show today? Yes, again, because I I, I I hate to make excuses here, but the Fast Foot Radio Empire is not currently operational. I currently have no way, you know, the time or anything to uh, upload these shows myself. I'm relying on the kindness of some of the guys at the Slow Hand Radio Network, uh, m- mostly uh, the GOAT and Corey G., and uh, they're they're actually handling all the technical aspects for me because I just don't have the time to learn them right now. So and ex- I hate those guys. I you know what I hate them too. But in exchange for these uh, technical things that they're helping me out with, that th- at least for the uh, you know foreseen future, they're going to be doing advertisements at the end of our shows to advertise whatever bullshit they got on their you know. I can't. Cheat I can't network. stand that motherfucker to wear silk underwear and shit. I don't give a shit what kind of silk this motherfucker wearing. That's I don't give a shit if he lift weights. 
Exactly. My, my, Sound my, like half a fag over there. My, myself, I, I wear the highest quality nylon sleeping garments, and I can't even begin to uh, relate to or listen to the ramblings of a madman who would wear satin and silk to bed. That's just ridiculous. When you run and jump into the bed, you slide halfway across the room, wouldn't you? I understand why all those Facebook people fucking hate him. Yeah, that that is true for all his boistering and and bragging and boasting. He he's not on Facebook anymore now, is he? No, and that's why everybody hates his guts. But I got the feeling that that motherfucker came back. They'd be nice to him. You never know. Stranger things that happen. So we're gonna sign off and let these two ass clowns do whatever huckstering they need to do for the Slow Hand Radio Network. So signing off for the mysterious confines of the closet of unknown facts, I'm your host, Gary C. And I'm the moose going to pull these fucking blinds together and take off my beanie. And we'll see you next time. Hello, Closet of Unknown Fact listeners. This is the goat here with my main man, Corey G. And we got a few words from you now that we're here sponsoring the Closet of Unknown Fact. Corey G, I know there's something you really want to get off your chest. What is it? Well, first, I don't I don't trust those other two guys. I think they talk shit about us. But I openly admit I don't listen to podcasts that I'm not on. Yeah, I, I rarely check their audio before I upload it because I figure, what the hell, if they're going to let us come on at the end. And, you know, this is the only way really slow hand can get commercials out there is to let other people do shows and then we, you know, shove our commercials on the throat. So if we got to do that, that's fine. But, but yeah, I, I kind of have a feeling those guys are contentious. I'm hearing rumblings and rumors that they're going to start a, a podcasting company that's going to make slow hand look like yesterday's old milk. Yeah, I mean, that's highly possible. I mean, half a slow hand retired. That is true. But uh, go ahead and let the listeners know what you're dying to get off your chest right now. I want to talk about the, the dumbest trilogy in history. Just oh, for a few minutes, cousin. Oh, holy shit, let's talk about it. The Karate Kid. The Karate Kid. It, it's a much-beloved franchise that was so well-loved that it had to be remade with Jackie Chan and uh, Jaden Smith. What, what, what could oh. you have to say about it? Okay, let's let's break it down here. You got this fucking guy, this this fucking Guido there from New Jersey, Daniel Daniel LaRusso. If there was ever a kid that deserved to get his ass beat, it was him. Now, did you feel sorry for this whiny-ass bastard as he was getting his ass handed to him? Actually, not at all. I always thought he kind of looked like a human rat. And then, okay, and here's the thing. Now, the kid kicking his ass, the greatest bad guy in 80s history because he beat up girls, too, and just one of the guys. Why would you fight over this fat bitch, Elizabeth Shue? Yeah, Billy Zapka and Ralph Macchio were locked into Mortal Kombat over the affections of Elizabeth Shue, which I never understood because it seemed like she wasn't even into Billy Zapka, really. No, and she was fucking, and I like fat girls. This chick was fat and gross, man. There ain't no fucking rich cheerleader. If she was that rich, she went to a fat farm, not been a cheerleader. And, and you ever to, see a cheerleader that fat? Well, put it in perspective, the hottest woman in Hollywood to you is Rebel Wilson, so that means your opinion of Elizabeth Shue circa 1980-whatever in The Karate Kid must have been very low. Very low. And here's, you know my, here's my two main complaints with this first movie. And I had a complaint with all in my first two main complaints, okay? you I don't care if your trainer is fucking Bruce Lee. 
you ain't going to spend two months training for a tournament that you don't even know the rules for and be the guy who at that time is probably a second-degree black belt, five-time champ. He would know all the – it was just a three-point tournament. He would know all the tricks by that point. Do you think it would be possible, though, if you, you're training the martial arts by the guy who used to make the hamburgers on happy days? No, maybe if the Fonz trained him. Oh, okay. But now I want everybody that, that says what a great – in the movie, I, I don't hate the movie. It's got a couple parts I like. I don't like that they just totally gloss over that Lamar from Revenge of the Nerds is the black Cobra Kai. That's just racist. But what what makes me sick is in the, begin, in the beginning of the tournament when the chubby girl is explaining the rules, what's the first thing they say? Kicks to the face are illegal. How does he win the fucking tournament? He kicks the guy in the fucking face. Uh, I'm guessing just that they temporarily, you know, with the insanity of the crowd going crazy and like really loving it, I guess they were just caught up in the moment and, you know, they everybody forgot, threw, threw the rules out the window pretty much. I think Miyagi paid off the ref. That could be too. I'm sorry, but okay, you, you'll get disqualified if you punch a guy in the face. Here's the finishing move is a kick in the face. <laughs> Okay, now, now you get the whole premise of this movie is this this fucking reject nerd who who gets beat up, learns karate, and he wins a tournament. Now all at once, him he's living with Mister Miyagi, shacked up with this old man. That's creepy in itself because even his mom hates him. She don't want him coming around. He goes to Japan, and when he's there, because he's some fucking whiny ass brat. He gets in a feud with some black dude that's probably like half a ninja. And they have a big fight to the death at the end. Am I right? I'm, I'm assuming it's been many years since I've seen Karate Kid 2. I just remember there was a, quite a bit of bullying going on. Now, he, yeah, of course, so then kill the guy. He haunts his nose. But now keep in mind, tournament. Now the guy's advanced. He's in the Orient. He just won a death fight. Now we're coming into part three where he's getting beat up by a kid in a tournament. Now you can beat a fucking Asian nin- a ninja, but yet now you're going back getting beat up by a guy in a three-point match. Well, I think clearly it was the failings of Ralph Macchio that made the producers of the film series go in the whole other direction and get Hillary Swank for part four. Now the only thing I give... Credit in part three is Thomas Ian Griffin. You know, Steven Seagal wannabe. Now, I did like him. He made Excessive Force, which is a very underrated action film. But here's a guy who, in the beginning, he's going to help Sensei Kreese, you know, get his revenge. So he's like, okay, I'm going to get in a disguise. All right. And then they're showing him clothes. And he's looking, he's picking at his suits. And he's like, I don't want this outfit. I need something that looks more poor. And then they got to pick him out of car. He don't want to drive the Rolls Royce. He's like, Give me that truck with the broken window. I'm going to go and I'm going to lie. Only I'm going to tell him my real name. And number two, I'm going to go in disguise to meet people who have no idea who the fuck I am in the first place. Exactly. So that's called going the extra mile for the con. <laughs> yes. drinking my water don't see how those people drink beer yeah especially in a podcasting setting it's completely unprofessional oh, it's horrible they belch yeah that's the worst might as well be drinking soup <laughs> exactly
I mean, that's my complaints with the Karate Kid. Part, the remake had so many plot holes, it was ridiculous too, but the original three, there, the first one everybody loves, it just tells you that, truthfully, the moral of the story is if you want to win, cheat. Exactly, just like the New England Patriots. But then again, if you think about it, Greece is basically the moral of pretend you're someone you're not to have sex. Exactly. Sorry to crush your hopes and dreams, people. So I, I, I guess to wrap it up, i got to ask you one question about the Karate Kid trilogy, which you just delivered more than a scathing review of. Do you own it on DVD? Of course. Okay. Got to have it for the collection. You pick it up on Amazon, the three movies on one disc. Just roughly estimate, how much do you think those three movies on one disc would cost? I think nine ninety nine. Okay, there you go. Hey, Corey. Shut your fucking mouth. No, I want to talk about If It Bleeds, We Can Kill It on the Slow Hand Radio Network. Holy shit, let's talk about it then. If It Bleeds, We Can Kill It is a self-proclaimed nerd podcast dishing all the dirt and all the latest science fiction, action, comedy, drama, whatever any type of movies out there that the two hosts, Trev3K and Bird C, they're going to talk about it and they're going to let their feelings be known. Yeah, and I guess on the upcoming episode they're going to talk about it's all dedicated to shitty movies and I think uh, that's going to be uh, the X-Men trilogy especially X-Men 2 I think is a film that they really hate I think they're even going to talk a, a lot about the, the new Godzilla movie how that ranks high up in there I think that's what I was told I'm not sure exactly what they're going to be talking about but the one thing I do know about Bird and Trev 3K is they have a classic bad movies list which they've been compiling for years and years usually what they do is they sit around on Friday or Saturday nights have a few drinks and watch movies that they know are bad and then they add them to the classic bad movies list so if you want to know all about the latest and greatest the lowest quality of shitty movies Make sure to tune into the next episode of If It Bleeds, We Can Kill It, where the shitty movie showcase is going to blow your fucking mind. It's about respect. <laughs> <laughs>